The scripture this morning comes from the book of 2 Kings, the 18th chapter, beginning in verse 6. For he held fast to the Lord. He did not depart from following him, but kept the commandments that the Lord commanded Moses. And the Lord was with him. Wherever he went out, he prospered. He rebelled against the king of Assyria and would not serve him. He struck down the Philistines as far as Gaza and its territory, from watchtower to fortified city. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. You can have a seat this morning. We're going to do a, a little, we'll have a little audience participation today as we have a game this morning. What I'm going to do is I'm going to share a person, a word, or a brand, and don't share the first thing that comes to your mind because that can be dangerous, but share, um, share what that person or that brand or that um, item is, what, how you, what you know about them. If you're online, you can type that in the chat here, but what is the associated with that person? So I'll start with an easy one. Michael Jordan. Basketball. That's good. Mozart. Music, music, in my opinion, the best musician of all time. Uh, Elvis Presley, rock and roll. I heard a little bit of rock and roll chatter over here. That's good. Uh, uh, Elvis Presley. Julia Roberts, acting. Amazon. Yeah, there, there were in the first service, there were a lot. There were shopping items. I was waiting on Prime or waiting on Rainforest. Uh, wasn't sure if we still even remember that. Chick-fil-A. Chicken, food, God's chicken. I heard that one down here. Um, <clears throat> Nike. I, I, I don't really know what you said right there, but uh, shoes, I heard that one. Starbucks, coffee, Harley Davidson, and then mayonnaise. Thank you. All right. I know, I, know, I know who I don't need to preach to now because you people are good, good people. We all know these brands. Um, we know them because, by, by the way, before I even go there, I, I grew up often eating Miracle Whip. Um, so you, you can just be glad uh, that I, I, I got a little older and I kind of discovered that, you know, and it was a game changer for me for sure. Um, we all know uh, these people or these brands or these items. We know them because something has made them distinct. Usually something they've done well has made them known or distinct, and that's how we can associate these phrases after I call out a word. <clears throat> but what if I were to ask this question this morning? What if you were sitting in a room of people who knew you well, and I simply said your name? What would follow after that? If I said your name and you're sitting in a group of people who, who know you, who love you, who care for you, what would follow after your name? What makes you distinct? What would others say about you? Would it be worry? Something you do constantly, you, you worry. Would it be anger? Would it be fear? Would it be faithful? Would it be loving? Or could it be apathetic? 
or not present. You see, we're all known for something. And in verse 5 this morning, there's a phrase. There's a phrase that starts what Scott has read, that starts us off there. And, and it's a phrase that, honestly, we don't see much of in Scripture. Verse 5 shows us a phrase describing someone And that person is Hezekiah, and here's what it says. So that there was none like him among all the kings of Judah after him or among those who were before him. Think about this for a moment. Hezekiah, in one phrase, is characterized that there were no no one like him. There was nobody like him, a king or anyone else, in all of Judah before him or after him. Think about who was before him. Who is Israel's noted king? David. They then had King Solomon. And it says that there was none like Hezekiah. So what made him different? The beginning of verse 5 tells us, and it says, He trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. Now notice it doesn't say that he, he expanded the kingdom, he, he won these military battles, he prospered economically. That's not what set him apart. What set him apart was that he trusted in God. And I would ask you this question this morning, was, is that something that would set you apart? What is it that sets you apart? Because when Hezekiah inherited his, very, his kingdom, it was very weak Politically, militarily, and and financially, and definitely spiritually. And it was in those dark days that he decided to trust God, even if it meant backlash from everyone else in his kingdom. I have zero doubt that the reason some of you would be characterized by worry, by fear, by anger, or by apathy is because you're trusting in something or someone else more than you're trusting in God. If we place our trust in something other than the God who can sustain us, those things are going to happen. So my hope this morning is that you walk out of here trusting God more than when you came in here. That because of the testimony of Hezekiah and the truthfulness of God's word, you, you will be convicted by the Holy Spirit to maybe instill practices that draw you nearer to God or you would be encouraged by God's faithfulness. Today we're going to see three commands that will lead you to trust in the God of the universe. The end of verse 5 tells us there was none like Hezekiah, so what is it that he did to make him like none other? First truth this morning is trust God by clinging to his word. Trust God by clinging to his word. Verse six says, for he held fast to the Lord. He did not depart from following him, but kept the commandments that the Lord commanded Moses. The word held fast in in the, the, the text, the original text is actually one word that means to cleave or to cling to. Think Genesis 2 when when God is talking to to, uh, Adam and Eve in the garden and he tells them, he says, a man shall leave his father and mother and what? cleave to his wife, cling to her. That's what Hezekiah is described as being with God, clinging to him, being being stuck together with God. It reminds me of of recently I was working around the house and there were some some shrubs and stuff around the house and, and 
I didn't notice anything different about them, so I walked right through them. And when I did, I, I had like some just kind of like hiking pants, like thin pants that I was working in, and I walked through them. And about two steps after I walked through them, like things began to like stick me. And I looked down, and when I did, I don't even know what they're called, and I didn't take time to look them up because I hate them. There were like these little U-shaped prickly things. And, and, and like they were all over me. I'm going to be honest. It took me like an hour. I mean that 100 an hour to take every one of them off because every time I thought I had them gone, like, Oh, oh I would get another one like that. It took me forever to take those off. But here's the thing. They were, they were on my pants. They were on me. They were stuck to me and they weren't coming off. This is how Hezekiah is described to being with God's word. He trusted God and he trusted in his word. The word of God, did, he, he did not depart from following the commandment that God had given Moses. Now think for a moment. Hezekiah had the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. And that's all it took for him to trust in God. He trusted in God and he was leading a nation that had forsaken God's word. And he was following God when no one else cared to. His trust wasn't in some abstract idea or some whimsical thought, but rather his trust was in the time-tested word of God. He trusted God because he could trust the God of his word. Let me say it this way. Trust is knowing that God is who he says he is and that he will do what he's promised to do. When you read God's word, it's telling you who God is and you can trust that God will do what he's promised to do. Psalm 119, David wrote this psalm, and it is a, a, an extremely long psalm all about the word of God. And look at what David wrote in Psalm 119, 9 through 16. He said, how can a young man keep his way pure? He didn't say by learning new things, by having these awesome, amazing thoughts, by putting boundaries in your life. Here's what he said. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your what? Word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I've stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth and the ways of your testimonies. I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. David, who is known as a man after God's own heart, felt this way about the word of God. Remember when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness. And he's being tempted in the wilderness by Satan. And Satan is coming after Jesus' character and coming after who Jesus is. Jesus had the power to strike him down. He could have done whatever, but how did he, how did he fight temptation? You know the word. He obviously knew the word, but he fought temptation with the word of God. That's what he, that's what he kept to. What about 2 Timothy 3? Paul writes, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be equipped for every good work. Hear me on this. The word of God is to be trusted because it comes from a God who is completely trustworthy. The God of the Bible is 100% trustworthy, so when you read this book, you can trust it. It's not some archaic book that tells us about people long ago. It's a living book. It says it's active and sharper than any two-edged sword. 
you can trust the word of God because it comes from a God who is completely trustworthy. And I would say that we live in a world with so many messages flying at us in so many different directions. It's difficult to decipher what's true and what's not. We struggle to know if something's true. There's a word that's come about in the last few years called fact-checking, and, and you've been lied to before, and you hear something uh, on TV, you read something on social media, and people haven't come through, and you've heard so many things from so many people that it's easy to grow weary of words. Well, you need to know this, that when you grow weary of anyone else's word, you can trust God's word when you can't trust anyone else's. You can trust God's word, and for whatever reason, if your trust in God this morning has been lessened, my question to you would be this. Do you know God's word? Do you know it? You'll trust it more when you know it. Why? Because if you, if you don't know what God says, it's hard to trust what he says because you don't know. Second question is, do you believe it? Is it elevated to to the prominence in your life that it deserves? Do you believe God's word and, and then do you trust it? This week in your life group, you're gonna look at what it means to, to cling to God and to cling to his word. And in your time together, you'll discuss this very point of what it looks like to cling, to, to draw near to God and to, and to stick together with God, you can trust God by clinging to his word, but then secondly, you can trust God by refusing the world's solutions. Trust God by refusing the world's solutions. In verse seven, it says, and the Lord was with Hezekiah. Wherever he went out, he prospered. He rebelled against the king of Assyria and would not serve him. This detail is crucial to our understanding of Hezekiah's trust in God. See, Hezekiah... He, he inherited real issues in a real kingdom, but he rebelled against the king of Assyria. What does, that, what does that mean? Well, two chapters before, in 2 Kings 16, we see Hezekiah's father Ahaz, and he faced a real issue. He faced a real issue in his kingdom. Or, excuse me, Syria, a kingdom to the north, along with the northern kingdom of Israel, were planning to invade and take over, and he needed help. Ahaz is his name. He needed help, and, and, and he, he had an opportunity to get God's help. The prophet Isaiah came to Ahaz and said, Ahaz, here's what you need to do. God is going to give over this victory to these nations into your hand, but you, can, you, you only have to do one thing. You can ask God of any sign, any sign you want to, and he will show it to you. And God will give you the victory that you need. And Ahaz, with a little bit of religiosity, chose to say, I'm not going to put the Lord to the test. So when he did, instead of saying, you know what, I'm going to rely on God, he chose his own resourcefulness and solution to overcome his problem. And here was his solution. Call on the king of Assyria for help. Here's the issue. The problem when you call on another king is that you have to pay him. And Ahaz needed money to pay the king of Assyria, so what did he do? He, he stripped out gold and silver out of the temple of God and paid the king of Assyria while subjecting himself to be his servant. So the king of Assyria upholds his end of the deal and takes care of the enemies for Ahaz, but in the process, he makes Ahaz his subject. 
Ahaz then goes to Damascus. And when he does, he's going to pay homage to that king. And when he does, he finds an altar in Damascus that's dedicated to another god. And he likes the way the altar looks. So he sends back home and he says, hey, I'm going to send you uh, what this altar should be built like. So back home in the temple of God, Ahaz removes the altar dedicated to God and places a pagan altar in the temple. And eventually temple worship even shuts down all because Ahaz found a worldly solution to his problem. Here's what this shows us. When you make a deal with the devil, you're going to get paid. But here's the thing. The currency that you're going to get is empty and useless. When you look for a worldly solution, what's going to happen is you're going to get a solution, and it's probably going to work for a while, but it's not going to be the one that you ultimately need. But then in verse 7 in our passage this morning, we see the word tells us that Hezekiah rebelled against the king of Assyria. That word actually means revolted. He trusted God more than he trusted in other wisdom. How easy would it have been for him to follow in the ways of his father and just trust another king to supply for him what was already being supplied, but instead he trusts God. His nation is spiritually weak, politically chaotic, and reliant on somebody else to bring them uh, uh, military security. And even among that, he chooses to trust God. And I'm going to say this. If you're going to make a real difference and push against the grain of culture and choose integrity over dishonesty, you'll have to refuse the world solution it offers at times. Jesus said, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world yet lose his what? Soul. You see, when the stress of life and stress of work hits you hard and the solution is to turn to a substance in order to get through it, trusting God means you refuse to give yourself over to that substance and instead of numbing your feelings, you are filled with the Holy Spirit and commit yourself to prayer. How about this? When grades consume your life, if you're in college or high school or middle school, grades consume your life and the solution of the world It's to cheat your way through high school or college so that you can maintain the GPA needed. Trusting God means you refuse cheating and put in the work to study and trust God with the outcome, but you are able to maintain your integrity. Worldly solution, when your marriage is struggling because of strain on your relationship, the solution is to leave, the solution is to look around at someone else, or the solution is to to turn to pornography. Trusting God means you refuse to turn to someone else, but rather you turn to your spouse and selflessly do whatever you must to bring reconciliation. Trusting God means that when the world is full of chaos like ours often is, then your solution is only political. Trusting God means you refuse making political ideology primary because your allegiance is to Christ first because the gospel is the hope of the world. Refusing is going to take courage. But when you trust God over anything else, you get to see our last command this morning. Trust God by accepting his provision. When you refuse the world and refuse the world's solution, you accept God's provision. Look at verses 7 and 8. And the Lord was with him. Wherever he went, he prospered. 
Hezekiah struck down the Philistines as far as Gaza and its territory from watchtower to fortified city. You see, Hezekiah's dad thought he needed the help of another kingdom to defeat his enemies. Yet the nagging enemy of Israel for centuries, the Philistines, were struck down completely and Hezekiah's trust was in who? Hezekiah's trust was in who? God, and he was able to strike down the enemies that had nagged Israel for centuries. You see, when you refuse the world's solutions and accept God's provision, you not only get to see something you didn't expect, the outcome is actually best for you. When you refuse the world's solutions and accept God's provision, the outcome is best for you. I'm not saying that when you accept God's provision, you'll always get what you want, you'll always be happy, or you'll always be healthy. But God's infinite provision is actually better than your finite desires. There's one small phrase here at the start of verse seven, though, that is paramount to our understanding of trusting God. Look at verse seven, if you will. And the Lord was with him. When you trust God, you're believing in faith that God is with you no matter what. Some of you this morning, you've, you've, you've had people who've forgotten you You've been abandoned. You've had people who haven't come through. And that has caused you to be anxious and fearful and not able to trust. This morning, I want to tell you that the God who knows you intimately and cares for you deeply is with you constantly. Look around the room for a second. I want you to look somebody beside you. Just, just do this. It's not, don't make it weird. Just look. <laughs> now, that person, maybe you go to church with and you see them once a week. It might be your spouse and you see them every day. But is the person who's sitting beside you with you every second of your life? They're not. But even when they're not with you for those seconds, those minutes, those hours or those days, God has never left you. Hebrews 13 says that God will never leave you nor forsake you. That, that phrase there literally, if, if we transi- transliterated it exactly, would say God will never, ever, ever, ever leave you nor ever, ever, ever forsake you. Some of you could stand up across this room this morning and testify to God's faithfulness over the years that you've walked with God through the things that you've been through. And some of you would need to hear that. God has been faithful and God is faithful, but that phrase, and God was with him, is important because we've got to go back to Isaiah 7 to see something where Ahaz didn't listen to the prophet Isaiah. Remember what I said a minute ago? Isaiah said, hey, just ask the Lord any sign and he'll give it to you and he will take care of your enemies. And Ahaz refused it. Immediately, right after that, Isaiah has a word from the Lord And he gives a promise. And this is the promise, Isaiah 7, 13, and 14. And he, that's Isaiah, said, Hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary men that you weary God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name what? Emmanuel, which means God with us. 
You see, Isaiah wasn't prophesying about Ahaz's son Hezekiah there. As great a king as Hezekiah was later on in his life, he actually did some things similar to his father. Though he repented and turned back to the Lord, he, he still didn't follow God completely. He held fast, but he still faltered. No, when Isaiah makes that prophecy, he's talking about one who would come 700 or so years later who held fast to the law of Moses so closely that he was God himself. When he came, he didn't depart from following the law of God, but kept it perfectly. Hezekiah followed God's law and he prospered, but Jesus, when he followed God's law, didn't lead to his prospering, but rather led to his death. Hezekiah only defeated the Philistines, but Jesus, through his death and resurrection, didn't just defeat some enemy on the border of a nation. He defeated the enemies of your soul, sin and Satan, thereby destroying their deathly grip on your life and eternity. You see, Hezekiah was praised for what he, he did in the sight of the Lord, but I tell you this morning that Jesus is praised because he is Lord, not because of what he did for the Lord. And my question to you this morning is this, do you trust that Jesus? Do you trust him? Or do you trust your own mind and your own decisions? Do you trust him? Or do you rely on someone else to give you your identity and your worth? Do you trust Jesus to forgive your sin and save you? Or are you hoping like the Muslims that were talked about this morning, that you'll finally do enough one day that God will accept you. Because there's never gonna be enough praying, there's never gonna be enough evangelizing, there's never gonna be enough Bible reading that will make God finally like you. Because even when you were a sinner, Christ gave his life for you, which means there is nothing you're gonna do that's gonna make God love you any more than he already does right now. Do you trust that? Do you trust that Jesus or what is it that you're gonna to have to do next in order for your trust in God to grow stronger? If you're struggling to trust, I'm gonna encourage you to share that with your life group. Whatever it is, whatever why, you're, you're struggling, doesn't matter, nobody's gonna judge you. Share that with your group. If you're not in a group, get in one so that you can share that. Find somebody that you know that you are close to to say, this is an area in my life that I'm struggling or if after this is over, if you need to come talk, I'll be down here. But Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 tell us what we're to do. You probably have this on a coffee mug or a t-shirt or something and it says this, trust in the Lord with what? All your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. So you can trust God by clinging to his word. You're gonna trust God by refusing the world's solutions. And when you do, you're gonna be able to trust God by accepting what he gives. Let's pray together. Father, thank you that you love us enough to give your life for us. And Jesus, that despite our, our sin and our failure, you chose to die in our place, to forgive our sin, to give us hope, to give us life now and both for eternity. So Lord, I pray for those who are in this room or who are watching and couldn't be here today, that you 
through the power of your Holy Spirit, apply this text. Holy Spirit, apply this word as, as only you can, that we would trust you in Jesus' name. Amen.